The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Please visit pod617.com to learn about our podcast production services and view our full lineup of shows. You are listening to Crosscheck Substance Abuse Radio, hosted by two-time Stanley Cup winner and hockey legend Kevin Stevens. Through hard-hitting discussion, personal testimonies, and cutting-edge resources to help battle the disease, Crosscheck is dedicated to ending the stigma and shame behind addiction and bringing forth the hope and support for those suffering from addiction to power forward and overcome it. Let's join Kevin Stevens and his team now on Crosscheck Substance Abuse Radio. Welcome to Crosscheck Radio. I'm Kevin Stevens. Great to have you with us this week. We've got a great show. We've got two great guests. I'm going to try to get started right, right here. I'll turn it over to my buddy Andy, and he can run with it from here. Well, I thank you, Kevin. Yeah, we definitely have two very interesting guests today, including... Dr. Pyle Roy from Boston Medical Center and Andrew McKenna from Addiction Campuses. But before we get started, let's meet our other folks here in the studio, which is Alyssa Horton, back from assignment, <laughs> <laughs> and, and Willie Drinkwater, the man behind the glass. Always good to be here. How you guys doing? Good. Everybody I'm good? good. I'm oh, good. And, and let uh, me yeah, not forget. Can't forget. The uh, photo bug, the shutter bug here, the the one and only Polly V, the people's choice. Backed by popular demand. Backed by popular <laughs> um, So let's get, let's get to it. Our first guest is Dr. Pyle Roy from Boston Medical Center. She is a practicing internist that specializes in addiction medicine. Dr. Roy graduated from Stony Brook University School of Medicine and has been in practice for four years, and she completed her residency at Boston Medical Center. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, welcome to the show, Dr. Ray. Why don't you um, just tell us a little bit how you got here, why you're here, and what you're doing now, and how it's all taken place. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I'm actually uh, practicing addiction medicine at Boston Medical Center. Um, and I guess, you know, I, I always knew I wanted to be a physician, I wanted to be an internist, and I wanted to be somebody's primary care doctor. Um, I came to Boston Medical Center because I really wanted to work with kind of underserved, disadvantaged patient populations. And specifically, I thought I wanted to work with, you know, patients with homelessness, uh, immigrants and refugee populations, people who are incarcerated, um, but definitely did not want to work with people with addiction. I had always heard, um, you know, it's <laughs> kind of difficult. And um, so I was I was scared. I, I didn't think that I wanted to work with that with that with the patient population with addiction. And um, it wasn't until, you know, I actually really saw a lot of people who are suffering from addiction, and I actually saw how we can act, treat people uh, with addiction and actually help them into recovery that I started to really appreciate um, kind of the work that we can do. So I remember vividly having a patient in the hospital who uh, was using heroin every day, had a lot of pain because he had cellulitis on his lower legs, and we would give him pain medication. But he always needed more, and we thought, oh, this this guy, you know, he just wants pain medications from us. Mm -hmm. And then we gave him, we tried a different approach. We gave him a little methadone, okay. and we actually treated his withdrawal, and he all of a sudden became a completely different person. Mm -hmm. And we could actually <coughs> engage him in care, we could actually treat his pain in, in addition to his withdrawal and addiction. And I started to really understand what people meant when they said that this is a disease and you know, people are really, I mean, he was, he was a completely different person when we actually treated him like any other patient. Interesting, uh, that's, 
That's interesting. I know Willie has a question for you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, hello, Doctor. The uh, the the you know, what are you finding insofar as the the uh, you know the healthcare uh, disparities when it comes to, to to trying to treat people? I think what we've found with addiction is that really it's affecting everybody. Mm-hmm. So um, any economic status, any race, um, everybody's really been hit by addiction, and mm-hmm. especially the opioid epidemic. Um, and so we at Boston Medical Center really try to treat everybody. So regardless of insurance status, um, ability to pay, you know, we are trying to reach everybody. You know, people who come into the emergency department, we can direct to care. People who come into primary care, there's a lot more awareness and a lot more screening for people with addiction. People, if you're in the hospital, we can start you on medications. So, you know, we're trying to reach everybody from all different kind of perspectives. Mm -hmm. How busy and and how busy are you guys now? And how do, like you said, how do they find you guys? Do they just come to the emergency room or is is it just walk in type of thing? Well, we're definitely a lot more busy, but we're yeah. not busy enough. We can definitely take yeah. more patients. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we always can take more patients. So how do people find us? I think a lot of it is, um, you know, it used to be sort of, um, I think people had to try to look for a treatment. They had to really mm. go out and try to seek treatment. And now I think we're trying to find people and really trying to address it rather than kind of ignoring the addiction aspect, treating other parts of the patient. Um, so people can find us in hospital systems. They can find us, you know, in, um, in homeless shelters. They can find us all, all over. What, what, what works for you guys? Do you guys, like, like to put people in treatment, or do you use the Suboxone methadone? Like, is it kind of like preference, the preference, like, the, what they want to do, how they want to do it? Well, we do really like to, you know, obviously it's – the only thing that's going to work is what people want to work and what right. people are willing to pursue. Um, I think what we really focus on is making sure that access to medications for treatment, are is that's not the barrier to people actually getting on treatment. Um, so we really do try to make sure that everybody at BMC is educated in addiction treatment um, and knows kind of who they can reach out to and where they can go to seek medication if that's what they're interested in. So there's obviously different types of medication. So there's methadone, suboxone, naltrexone. Um, and can you speak to the different types of medication and how it, how it works? Because mm. we had talked about that before the show. So I thought that would be interesting for our listeners to, to learn about. Yeah, great. So, yeah, so as you mentioned, there's three medications that are FDA approved to treat people with opioid use disorder, opioid addiction. So methadone is sort of the oldest medication that's been around the longest. It is uh, federally regulated, and so it's dispensed in methadone treatment programs, Mm -hmm. essentially. Um, And then buprenorphine, uh, which is the generic name for Suboxone. Suboxone is the brand name. It's a combination of buprenorphine and naloxone, which is an an opioid antagonist. Uh, So buprenorphine or Suboxone, uh, that can be prescribed by primary care doctors or psychiatrists or people in an outpatient clinic. Uh, you have to have a special kind of waiver, so you have to go through a little additional training to be able to prescribe it, um, but that's a little bit more widely available in terms of uh, being able being available in a, in a clinical practice. And then there's naltrexone, which is uh, an opioid antagonist, so it's a blocker. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that medication kind of helps you um, sort of, you take it, and if you do end up using heroin or fentanyl, um, you shouldn't be able to feel the effects. So methadone and buprenorphine are considered agonist therapy. What that means is they act in a similar way mm-hmm. to heroin, fentanyl, Percocet, um, and other opioids of, of, that people misuse. 
um, whereas naltrexone is is a blocker. Got it, Alyssa. So speaking on uh, Suboxone, have yeah. you? Because I know that they uh, doctor has a extra training, um, but they're also only limited to a certain number of patients. I know that it's expanded recently from 100 to 250, but have you seen that be, you know, um, a barrier? For you to guys make that referral for another program that will provide them with that medication if that's what they're looking for yeah that's right so there is there are uh, limits to how many patients that each person can treat so it starts off at 30 after a year it's 100 and after that it's 275 um, and so there there is a cap and you know i think that provides some barriers to people being able to uh, access treatment on the other hand not everybody is treating um, to the full ability of their waiver, meaning mm-hmm. they're not, you know, if, if they can prescribe for 100, but they're not actually seeing 100 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of different reasons for that. Um, and we really are trying to, you know, increase the number of providers who can prescribe. Yeah. Um, and, you know, working with nurse practitioners and PAs to be able to prescribe um, and really trying to encourage people from, you know, not just after they finish all of their training, but really from medical school mm-hmm. and residency training to embrace uh, incorporating addiction treatment into their practice. That's huge. Yeah, and I, I think the most important, like we talk about here, is the time like it takes for someone, since someone comes to Boston Medical, it's the time it takes for that addict to get on the Suboxone, you know, because sometimes, you know, it's, it takes a little time, right, to get, to get the, the procedure and get the process going. I think that's a great point that you bring up because it used to be sort of you had to you had to almost prove that you were really yeah. engaged that you really wanted to be in treatment and you know you had to have a certain you had to show up a few times and have a certain number of urine tests that didn't have any opioids in it and now we're really trying to decrease those barriers so making sure that you know we have an opioid urgent care for instance called faster pads at BMC mm-hmm. that's a self-referral you can walk in and you can see a physician usually within one business day um, because we're really trying to increase people's access to buprenorphine or mm-hmm. suboxone um, because we do know that there is an epidemic, opioids are killing people, and there yeah. is a, a really huge harm reduction aspect to being mm-hmm. on these medications. Mm-hmm. So we really do want to encourage people, you know, even though you haven't, you know, regardless of what we perceive as your motivation or, you know, your engagement, we know that if you are showing up, you know, we want to make sure that we engage you. Right. I think that's sort of a segue, too, that goes right, right, right into uh, BMC has a Words Matter pledge that's been going on and I think you, you know it's an important thing uh, you know I, I, I think slowly I'm st- starting to see out on the scene where we're getting away from you know that person's an addict that person's an, al- an alcoholic it's more of uh, that's a human being with a substance use disorder and I think you know maybe in the beginning it's important to say I'm an addict I'm an alcoholic you know but it, at some point when do you take yourself back you know you know uh, you know my, my name is oh and I'm an alcoholic and I'm a good friend I'm a father I'm a brother and I think uh, the stigma is 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 beginning to lessen up more and more. But I think you know um, it, w- when we think in terms of just addicts, alcoholics, it's so, sort of you know a dehumanizing thing. I don't know. Yeah. What, what what do others think? But but I like the BMC pledge there. 
Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. So, you know, we have a BMC Words Matter pledge. Hmm. It's, uh, it's really a campaign across, uh, across our campus to make sure that we're using sort of non-stigmatizing language when we talk about addiction. Um, so, using what we call person-centered language, so person hmm. with a substance use disorder, rather than, as you mentioned, saying somebody's an addict or somebody's an alcoholic. Um, you know, saying substance use disorder rather than abuse or having a drug habit. Um, you know, a lot of times people will say um, clean, right, that I've been clean uh, for five years and then I relapsed or uh, the urine is clean or the urine's dirty. And, uh, yeah. you know, those aren't really, first of all, they're not really medical terms. And they really are stigmatizing in terms of, you know, I tell my patients, you weren't dirty when you were using, so you're not mm. clean when you're mm. not. Right. Um, and a urine being dirty, what does that mean? It's, you know, it's really, it's positive for cocaine. It's mm. positive for opioids. It's negative for, you mm -hmm. know, whatever. Yeah, it's reflective in the DSM now even, too, where, you know, it's all under substance use disorder, and depending upon the criteria that you meet, that determines the level of care. Yeah, exactly. So, right, so we have mild, moderate, and mm -hmm. severe substance use disorders, and, you know, we do, and we offer treatment based on kind of those designations. Yeah. Can I, can I, <clears throat> excuse me, can I ask you, uh, when you told the story about the gentleman that, uh, that you treated, and once you put him on hmm. um, the methadone, he was a different person, you were, you were able to treat him. I'm sure you've experienced people that are on the methadone that still are coming up dirty. So how long do you keep them in the program, and, and what are the parameters of someone that just keeps coming back dirty or whatever? Do you just keep treating them with the methadone, and, and uh, are they just cut off this, the program right away? Yeah, I think um, we are taking a less punitive approach, um, and it really depends on whether or not you're getting benefit from the treatment. Um, a lot of times when people are on methadone and they're still using, it's often <coughs> because they're, they just aren't on a high enough dose. And so if you're not on a high enough dose, you're still going to have cravings, you're still going to want to use. And so is it, you know, should we fault the patient for, because we haven't kind of completely treated them. Mm. So it really is working with the patient. Um, if obviously there's a lot of risky behaviors involved and we feel like it's not, you know, the being on methadone isn't the safest option for them, that's probably when we would start discussing decreasing doses. But in general, I think now we're trying to really keep people on treatment um, because we find that people are at higher risk of overdose and dying from mm. opioid use when we take them off. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's, that's the most yeah. important thing we talk around here, like, mm. about this hope. You know, it, it isn't the easiest thing in the world to get clean for everybody. You know, it's not easy for anybody, really. You know, and, and when you're out there, and like you say, some people are living on the streets. Some people, you, you see all different, we see all different people, all different mm -hmm. type of addicts and alcoholics, whatever we want to call them at different levels of, you know, from doctors to street people. But you know what? We're all the same. Our brains think exactly the same way. If you're a doctor, a hockey player, or something, we're all addicts and we all need help. And like you said, you know, the hope is that he gets it someday. You know, you got to kind of stick with some people, which yeah. is hard sometimes. But the biggest thing is, like you said, there's a lot more dangerous going out there and shooting heroin. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you guys can, mm -hmm. and I think there's... Good point. Like, Doc, I think there's a lot more patience with people now. Like, before, when it's first the methadone, and, 
in Suboxone came out, people would be dirty twice and they'd throw them out. And they, you know, yeah, they definitely. I think, yeah. I think the patients with, with people and doctors and everybody, just because so how serious the fentanyl is out there. Yeah. yeah. Well, I definitely try to remember that, you know, all my patients who are doing really well struggled many, many times um, before they before they finally got to this place of recovery. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that that patience is that used to be lacking that we yeah. now have a little more of. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it's yeah, and oftentimes I think too. I mean, if I if I'm working with someone that that, that that's been in the detox 20, 30, 40 times, I'm looking mm-hmm. for something else mental health wise that's going on. And the big three I've found over the years is trauma, grief, abandonment issues that never get addressed, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or true bipolar disorders, schizoaffective, major depressive disorders. So, you know, so somebody 30 or 40 times, there, there there may be another issue going on too. And I don't know how people in the room feel about that. Oh, know? I agree. I think that family issues, whatever. Yeah, and it's like. We don't, you know, we don't know what time it's going to work and we don't know what issues are going to pop up until they show or reveal themselves or how much. Because it is, you know, our our clients are people that are not fully disclosure because they're not fully aware. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm all for the fact now. I, I think that before, you know, we used to use behavioral modification, right? You know, you want to immediately try and punish the client so that they learn because that's the typical approach that we've it's had. The old for, school. Oh, right, yeah. it's old school. Yeah, it's it's the old school. E- like what we do with kids. Yeah. And the reality is, is like that's 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 for somebody that doesn't have, you know, yeah. chemical imbalance, you know, <laughs> or an yeah. actual physical disease that actually affects their way of thinking and perceiving the world around them. Yeah, I, I, I agree, and it's all those, all those good points. But you know, with the addict, the only thing that you know when you're an addict is that you use like you you need to get high. You not not get high. You got to get. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to mm. be sick, and that's an everyday thing. Right. And to come off that roller coaster ride, it's not easy. You know, it's not easy right away. If you're not if you're not in treatment, I know mm-hmm. if I wasn't locked up a few times, and I've been to a few treatments. That didn't work the first time for me. Yeah. You know, that saved me because, mm-hmm. you know, the first few days are very hard, even on Suboxone. Mm-hmm. Not like oh, yeah. you don't take Suboxone all of a sudden start doing jumping jacks all over the place. <laughs> when, you, when, you, when, you, when you use an opiate for, right, for yeah. 5, 10, 20 years, yeah. it takes time because you're pounding your body. And I think, you think that's the most important thing. It takes time. You never know when someone's going to get it, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Roy, so tell us about the new partnership that you guys have started with the Graken Center. Yeah, so we're working, um, so the Graken Center is working with the Partnership for Drug-Free Kids to sort of help parents and families deal with uh, substances that might be uh, plaguing their family, plaguing children, um, you know, and I think something that I, I do want to mention in terms of how can we prevent um, or how can we sort of help our children who are struggling with addiction or what we are concerned might turn into an addiction, um, really making sure that you're talking to talking to your children and talking to doctors as well, mm-hmm. um, really understanding uh, the pain regimens that are being prescribed to your children. You know, we definitely don't want people to be in excessive pain. You know, kids get hurt, they mm-hmm. have surgeries, they break their arm, um, but really understanding, you know, how much medication should I expect my child to need and, you uh, how um, you know? How can we really make sure that we're uh, controlling the supply and making sure that um, we get rid of any kind of excess medication when child doesn't need the the medications anymore? What oh. would you say is the youngest age that you're seeing now that is starting to experience issues? Yeah. So I mean, 
It depends on what we're, we're talking about, what drug we're talking about, or substance yeah. we're talking about. Um, so we do see, you know, young kids in the clinic, um, adolescents, young adults. And we actually have a clinic at Boston Medical Center called Catalyst, which actually specifically specializes in treating adolescents and young adults with substance use disorders. So anywhere from cigarettes and marijuana to you know, alcohol and then opioids and cocaine as well. How can people find out about the center and the work you guys are doing? Sure. So pretty easy websites at bmc.org slash addiction. So Boston Medical Center, bmc.org slash addiction. Okay. And they'll have, uh, there's a ton of information on there. Yeah. And just one other thing that I do want to mention is that um, International Overdose Awareness Day is coming up. That's mm. August 31st, um, August 31st every year. And then um, the whole month of September is recovery month. So mm -hmm. we do do a lot of events um, around kind of education and uh, recovery at BMC. Fantastic. Awesome. Thank awesome. you. Thank you, doctor, for coming on today. Yeah. Thank you. See, quick and plain list, right? Thank yeah. you. All We're fun. We're entertaining. <laughs> We're going to take a short break. We'll be back on Crosscheck. You have been listening to Crosscheck with your host, Kevin Stevens. We'll be right back after these messages. My name is Richard Morse, founder and chairman of Boston Financial Management. For more than 40 years, we have been dedicated to the creation and preservation of wealth for our clients. We strive to develop and implement individual investment programs to address the specific needs of each and every client. BFM is pleased to support Crosscheck Radio's mission of providing education and awareness about the drug addiction crisis currently facing this nation. We believe this program will increase awareness and begin to move the nation towards a better understanding of the crisis and ultimately to a solution. Boston Financial Management is proud to take an active role in promoting Power Forward, aired by Crosscheck Radio, and believe all communities and individuals will benefit with a greater knowledge about the current opioid crisis. For more information about Boston Financial Management, please visit our website at bfminvest.com. Clean Slate Centers is an outpatient clinic with a strong commitment to expanding access to medication-assisted treatment to help fight the opioid epidemic. Our primary mission is to help the underserved population reclaim their lives from substance abuse disorder. Clean Slate has 44 centers in eight states, and we pride ourselves on providing compassionate and effective physician-led treatment across all of our locations. We provide evidence-based care using the current guidelines established by the American Society of addiction medicine. Clean Slate's knowledgeable and caring team focuses on treating each patient as an individual while placing an emphasis on personal accountability. This is an effective method and will help those in need manage their addiction. The combination of individualized medical, behavioral health, and case management services has been shown to be the most effective treatment for people experiencing substance abuse disorder. For more information or to schedule an intake, please call 413-341-1780. That's 413-341-1780 or visit www.cleanslatecenters.com. We are also a proud supporter of Crosscheck Substance Abuse Radio. At Tracy, come in and see the difference for yourself. They have the largest selection. I found my dream car here. The choices are endless. There is no pressure. No pressure. No pressure. We'll help you make the best decision. We've bought 30 vans here. I love my new car. They put the fun back into buying a car. I wouldn't go anywhere else. Everybody wants a good deal. It's one of the reasons I keep coming back. Experience the rock-solid difference. Tracy Chevrolet Cadillac. Exit 6 off Route 3, Plymouth, Mass.
Hey, this is Sam Mettler, the creator of A&E's Intervention. You're listening to Crosscheck Substance Abuse Radio. Welcome back to Crosscheck. I'm Andy Bernstein here with our host, Kevin Stevens, Alyssa Horton, Willie Drinkwater, and the People's Choice, backed by popular demand, Polly V, the shutterbug with his phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, joining us now is our next guest, Andrew McKenna. He is a business development representative for addiction campuses serving in the northeast region of the country. Andrew works in communities in New York, New Hampshire, and Massachusetts. He is on the front lines of the drug crisis and works with families directly to get their loved ones into treatment. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Andy. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, welcome, Andrew. It's awesome. Great to have you on the show. But, um, Thank you. Yeah, you got some great stories. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, like how you got to where you are right now and through a little bit, you know, to get a deep thing, but just tell us a little bit how you got here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I was a regular kid growing up and... Um, you know, left high school, went into the military, and um, eventually went to, you know, college, law school, worked with the Marine Corps as an active duty Marine, um, hurt my back, uh, went into the Justice Department as a prosecutor, and um, went to a doctor. Now, I'll give you the short version here because I don't want to bore your, bore your listeners. Uh <laughs> went to a doctor with uh, with back pain and he prescribed me Percocet and um, before long I was you know off and running and you know taking more than what was prescribed um, and driving or you know flying around driving a lot you know put on weight uh, the back started to hurt more so I just took more and more eventually I left the Justice Department after kind of a serious issue that um, my addiction brought me to with DOJ um, they kind of let me go quietly and you know I was operating a very high level you know traveling the country traveling the world um, prosecuting these cases but something wasn't right in my mind I felt less than um, my addiction took me places where I could never imagine and eventually um, I turned to heroin. I couldn't get pills anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get a, a New York doctor to prescribe them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I had them, you know, threaten me with, um, you know, protective orders to stop calling their offices to try to get refills. Mm -hmm. And I, I joke about it now, but, you know, when we're going through those times, it's really no joking matter. Mm -hmm. And with addiction campuses, we help people, you know, get people into treatment and the help that they need. Um, it's it's really gratifying. I didn't I didn't ask for help because of the stigma. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm yeah. practicing law in in Albany. I left the Justice Department as I said. I got a good uh, job practicing law, and um, but I wasn't going to speak up. Right. I, who would who yeah. would I tell the, no. the the partners at the law firm? Yeah. No. You know. So I, as I said, I went to I turned to heroin <clears throat> when the pills ran out. Uh, an old friend of mine had an ax had access to it. Um, and once I started heroin and OxyContin, which is essentially heroin in a mm. pill, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and we know that for it with Purdue Pharma, they've been sued, you know, practically by every, every state. state. Yeah. Right. Um, and it was just out of control. I became despondent, depressed, and ended up, instead of going to family court one morning, I ended up going to a bank and robbing it. Mm. 
pretty powerful story. The best thing is you hear now in 13 years, whatever. So that's the biggest thing. But it's just amazing. It doesn't matter. We talk about it. doesn't matter. Lawyer, prosecutor, hockey player, street person. We're all the same, right? We're yeah. kind of like our brains. My brain and your brain probably works the same as the person down the corner. Down that's, that's just the nature of the beast. When once we have this addiction, you know, it's hard to get out. When you're in it, we don't see all this stuff going on until you right. finally, you know. Lose everything or lose. I've lost a lot, lot, lot. Yeah. You lost You lost a lot. And it, it doesn't matter. Like, if you're way up here, you're going to lose it to here. If you're here, you're going here. So it's, right. just, it's just a matter of stopping it. And, you know, you got a great, powerful message and a great story. And um, yeah, you're doing great things now. And that, that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing mm-hmm. with, the, with, the, with the, what you're doing now. It's amazing with the families and getting people in the rehab. That's, that's gratifying. I appreciate that. Yeah, there's huge gratification. And, you know, uh, this guy, uh, guy, you yeah. A journalist in Albany, New York, but he's he's published across the country. Paul Grondel, he said this great line. He said, you know, addiction doesn't read resumes, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. true. It doesn't matter. Absolutely. Yeah, and and yeah. I'm not judging anybody. Uh, period. You know, you know, rich, poor, you know, athlete, non-athlete, you know, lawyer, non-lawyer, doctors, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you went to prison, is that when you got clean? Is that when you first decided, you know, you better change your life? Yeah, I detoxed on the floor of a county jail in Albany for about 11 days, you know, just wishing I was dead, you know. And um, you guys know, I mean, it's just withdrawing. It's just, it's vicious. Vicious. And, you know, we don't want to judge people because, you know, for for relapsing, although I don't believe relapse has to be part of of Mm -hmm. recovery. I don't don't believe that. Um, I think people can get it the first time mm-hmm. uh, it takes a lot of work not everybody's gonna get it the first time but when you think about it if you're throwing up and you're on day eight and you you're wanting to mm-hmm. die and a three dollar or four dollar bag of heroin is gonna make you feel better mm-hmm. instantly I mean that's why people need to get into quality treatment programs yeah. and absolutely. when I say quality they got to be quality programs yeah. absolutely yeah I, I agree because I, I talked about the same thing you just talked about if I wasn't locked up in a place trying to get clean I got clean in jail, too, but I was only there six or seven days. That's kind of where I kind of took the next step. But I've tried rehabs, all these other things. And I had, like you said, that death, that four, five, six, seven, eight day when all you got to do is make a phone call. It's a lot easier than sitting in your bed, sweating and throwing oh, up yeah. and trying to figure this thing out by yourself. And like you said, you need to make that first up. You need to make the phone call to get a treatment. You need help. No one, none of us here can do this thing alone. That's you know, absolutely not, right. Nothing we can hear. We can't. We tried it. We all tried. We all thought we were tough guys. We all thought we could do this thing alone. Right. And we end up in the same place as we always did. Try to you know, grind it out. Grind but, yeah. You know, but yeah. you need quality programs. You know, yeah. addiction campuses, recovering champions. Yeah. I mean, these are all quality programs that, you know, really care and, and come with a heart of compassion mm-hmm. and, and make a difference. But yeah. you've got to be careful because there's, there's charlatans out there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So tell us about addiction campuses. We've learned a little yeah. bit. Uh, well, Kevin and I went to the movie premiere at which was Jimmy, wonderful yeah jimmy jimmy yeah. Wahlberg's and uh yeah. and kevin chapman and we we actually had him on the show recently but we saw the movie and we saw your campus in new hampshire it's uh massachusetts, massachusetts. cummington mass okay yep swift river yeah so tell us about what you the work you do with addiction yeah. campus so jimmy Wahlberg uh, filmed part of the um film at uh swift river which is really kind of gratifying because it really does demonstrate mm-hmm. the level of of treatment that we provide and the atmosphere you know we're on you know hundreds of acres mm-hmm. um you know we do a lot to get people up and out of their addiction and start engaging 
um, and start getting active again. So we have a lot of outdoor programs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have master's level clinicians. We do dialectical behavior therapy, cognitive behavioral mm -hmm. therapy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we do um, programs for step downs from detox to residential. And we really kind of meet the person. It sounds a little cliche, but we meet the person where they are in their addiction. Everybody, yep. everybody, all every center that we have on, everybody meet them where they're at, but try not to leave. It's them cliche, now. but it's the right way yeah. to do things. Right, <laughs> and it's actually true. And you know, and and there are all there are other good programs out there. I'm, so I'm not like besmirching other programs, but you know, I really have a lot of faith in what we do, mm -hmm. and you know, we stay in tight with our clientele, with our. Um, our programs, our alumni programs, uh, we have a balanced life curriculum. It's a continuing care uh, program where people can call in once a week, and we keep track of them. We help them, and they can talk to a clinician. Um, there's readings that we do, um, and we really lead them through you know, those first months of recovery after they live, leave the residential program. Yeah. So, so, so you know, it's in-house treatment for, like, how you guys – specify any time or they stay there as long as they want or they just when they're ready i think they can stay as long as they like um average length of stay i would probably say is anywhere between 28 and 35 days mm -hmm. um you know and then there's a full detox and um be, you know the thing is people can stay as long as they like but if they don't continue with that recovery plan mm -hmm. and Alyssa can certainly speak to this and you yeah. guys can as well they have to really put in the work. If we can build that foundation, which I really believe that we're successful in doing, mm -hmm. um, if we can build that foundation and then have a step-down program, because no one's going to be cured within 30 days. No. No. But we can, we can create those building blocks and give them a skill set where they can rely on you know, um, partial hospitalization programs, intensive outpatient, stuff mm -hmm. that Alyssa does, for instance. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's critical. That's, that's a critical component. And from the day that person comes to us at Swift River or addiction campuses at our other facilities, the continuing care plan starts now, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. starts that first day. Mm -hmm. and I think it's, that's so important that, you know, obviously you have a plan, but you guys do some work with the family. Sometimes these families, the parents think, okay, we go away 35 days, and we step home, cured. and we're yeah. going to play they're baseball, cured. I'm going to go cured. play hockey, I'm not going to go to a meeting, I'm not going to get connected. Right. And the families don't really know. It's not their fault because they really haven't had this haven't had any mm -hmm. practice on how to deal with the addictive kid. Yeah, that's right. Tough, that's a tough, tough situation for the, for the family also. Absolutely. And in the family is the key component. Um, and sometimes it's not wise for the person coming out of a residential program to, to go, go right back to go yeah. home. Mm -hmm. So what we do, and I think this is a little bit different from other places, is that we bring the family into the mix immediately. And typically, you know, I spend all day and sometimes all night getting people into treatment programs. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it starts mm -hmm. with the family. And I say, you know, I, half the time I'm counseling families more than I am the, the person that's coming person to treatment. Well, the families yep. can end up more, much more insane than the, <laughs> the person with the addiction issue if they're not getting help, help for themselves. That's absolutely right. And so I always recommend the family, you know, mom, dad, sister, brother, loved one, whomever, to start you know, individual therapy. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be something too intense. Now, you take all kinds of insurance. Is that correct? Yes. We're in um, network with Blue Cross Blue Shield, and then we do, you know, most main commercial insurances. We also do 
uh, scholarship programs, mm-hmm. and um, you know we're working on working with Mass Health right now. Really interesting is uh, Governor Charlie Baker and sort of his efforts at reforming how we look at treatment. Right. You know, yeah. and, and one of those factors is you know if you're gonna if you're gonna treat people in the in the state of Massachusetts, Commonwealth of Massachusetts, we're going to you know, require certain things. And um, BSAS, which is the governing mm-hmm. body in Massachusetts, uh, has some really great rules and guidelines. Yeah. And I'd, I'd like to say, you know, not to plug Swift River too much, but you know, we have a joint <laughs> we have joint commission accreditation, Absolutely. Uh, which is the gold standard. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, we're going to take a short break sure. and then I want to uh, come back and I want to talk about your book, Sheer Madness. Oh, great. Thank you. We'll be right back. <laughs> on you have been listening to Crosscheck. With your host, Kevin Stevens. We'll be right back after these messages. Everybody wants to earn more money, right? Hi, I'm Kevin Chapman, and I'd like to earn more money, too. That's why I take advantage of the bump-up CD specials at the City of Boston Credit Union. It's easy. If their rates go up, yours can, too. Check out all their current specials at cityofbostoncu.com. City of Boston Credit Union. Uniquely Boston. Funds federally insured by NCUA. Excess insurance by MSIC. A nice coffee is just a couple of bucks. What's the big deal? Well, if you think about it, two iced coffees a day for a whole year adds up to over $1,400. That's a big deal. Hi, I'm Kevin Chapman, and this is a financial tip brought to you by the City of Boston Credit Union. For more everyday financial tips, visit cityofbostoncu.com. City of Boston Credit Union, uniquely Boston. Want to learn more about a guest that was on Crosscheck? Check out our new website, PowerForward25.com. That's PowerForward25.com. Surrounded by 71 acres of peaceful woodlands, Sunspire Health Spring Hill is a residential addiction treatment center that allows you to clear your mind and reconnect with nature as you focus on your recovery on our open residential campus. At Spring Hill, we use a wide range of evidence-based treatment methods, including medication-assisted treatment and behavioral therapies to create a plan aimed at promoting long-term recovery. In addition to your clinical treatment plan, take advantage of complimentary recovery activities in the surrounding outdoors and enjoy a comprehensive two-day educational family program, as well as the security of knowing your discharge will include a thorough, individualized plan goes well beyond our care. Spring Hill offers patients evidence-based treatment for addiction and co-occurring mental health disorders at our facility in Ashby, Mass. If you or a loved one is in need of help, please call us today at 978-254-6668. That's 978-254-6668 or visit us at sunspirehealth.com backslash spring dash up. Hi, this is actor Kevin Chapman. You're listening to Kevin Stevens Crosscheck Radio. Welcome back to Crosscheck Substance Abuse Radio. My name is Andy Bernstein here with our host, Kevin Stevens, Alyssa Horton, Willie Drinkwater, The People's Choice, Polly V., and we're talking to Andrew McKenna from Addiction Campuses, and we're going to pick back up with the discussion. Andrew, you're an author. Tell us about the book. I am. Um, 
Well, I'm not an author. Well, yeah, I am an author in You're a way. You're an author. Well, I know, but I'm, I don't consider myself like a real writer, but that's okay. Um, the way, <laughs> Very modest. The way, this, the way this sheer madness from federal prosecutor to federal prisoner came about because um, before I went away to prison, my therapist told me, you need to start journaling. Mm. And um, you need to get all this stuff that's in your mind down on paper and then just release the stuff that troubles you. And I recommend to everybody that they journal, uh, mm -hmm. diary, whatever. Um, so I went away, and you know you can't have any metal in prison. So we used um, we used to be able to get the black and white composition books that like you use when you're a kid, and uh, with the glue binding. And I just started writing every time I got stressed out, every time I got happy, every time I was bored, whatever it came. I just started writing, and right. before you knew it, I had. Before I knew it, I had like a stack of like 20 of these things. And I'm walking out the prison doors when I got released. And I, to this day, I can still hear the, the clanking of the doors slam behind oh. me. Mm. And I, I got home. And um, after some halfway house time, and my friend grabbed one of my um, journals. And he started reading and he started laughing. And I'm thinking, well, what the heck are you laughing about? <laughs> and then the next moment, you know, a couple minutes later, he's still reading, and he, his eyes start tearing up. I'm like, well, what are you crying about? <laughs> right. <laughs> and he goes, you need to put this in a book and, you know, make a book out of it, and maybe it'll help some people understand the depths of addiction, where it can bring you. And I know you guys here understand that. Mm -hmm. um, so I did that, and I published Your Madness in um, 2014. Um and Paul Grondel, who I mentioned earlier, he's the guy with the great line, you know, heroin slash addiction doesn't read resumes. Mm. But he called it a tragicomic masterpiece, mm. which was very humbling. And he's, I, I respect him. He's the uh, director of New York State Writers Institute, which is kind of a big deal. And he wrote it the night of my birthday. Mm. And the day before, he and I had met. And first time we'd ever met. And I really think he, he thought I was a jerk. You know, he kept saying to me, <laughs> he said, I read your book last night. And he said, um, I don't see the redemption here. I don't see the redemption here. He kept saying it over and over. And I'm thinking, my God, he's going to pan this book in his review because he was interviewing me to do his review the next day. And so I stayed up all night, you know, waiting for oh, it yeah. to come out online. Um, and it was in the paper the next day. And I read it. You know, and I didn't even want to open it. It was midnight, actually. Hmm. And I didn't even want to open it. And I did. And he, you know, so I went, I, I'll never forget. I went and woke my wife up. And I'm like, look what, look, look what Grondel wrote. The new fun book is <laughs> yeah. <saying>. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Right. And um, so it was really good and kind of gave me a platform to um, pick up on speaking a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so now I'm traveling. I traveled the country, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I linked up with the Speakers Bureau. Um, and, um, but, it, you know, it, it, as we talked about, you know, if it helps a few people, then it does. But, you know, when we go and talk to, you know, middle schools and high schools mm -hmm. and colleges and corporations and, um, you know, this is no joke. Right. This, this is serious. Absolutely. You have a couple things coming up. You have a concert coming up. Yeah, we're going to be at the Cape Cod Symposium. We have a concert on September 14th, um, which is a Friday at 7.30 p.m. And um, Daphne Willis, we're, we're really psyched that she's coming to headline the show. 
Uh, it's open to the public for, you know, for free. Um, and we're just really excited about having Daphne Willis come and headline the show. So that's September 14th at 7.30 p.m. Uh, in Cape Cod. And tell us where people can find the book, too. Okay, so you can find Sheer Madness um, at bn.com, barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, and, you know, again, Sheer Madness, from federal prosecutor to federal prisoner, um, and I'm Andrew McKenna, and yeah. I'm happy to do. Yeah. And the best thing about, you know, these books, Andrew, you know, I haven't read your book, you just gave it to me today, but it's everybody, like, what you think, Polly thinks, I think, you know, it's not nothing, most of the stuff in here, Alyssa, most of the stuff's in here. Anybody can read it, right? It doesn't have to be. You don't have to be here. You don't have to be. It's one of those books that you can pick up as an addict or someone's in recovery that can read it and can learn from it. Because, you know, like you said, we're out there. I'm out there. You're out there. There's no – you're not going to help everybody. But, you know, it's worth doing things if you can help. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's definitely for mature audiences only. Yeah, we'll yeah. throw that yeah. caveat out. <laughs> There's a student yeah. edition. I can imagine, sure. yeah. There's a student edition <laughs> – uh, addition, but it's not really selling yeah, it well, yeah. so <laughs> definitely 18 and above. Um, and we'll put it on our link, so, or on our website, so people can uh, link to it and hopefully purchase it. Oh, no. Uh, license and registration, please, sir. What's the problem, officer? Uh, well, son, lots of problems. You were, you were doing 115 miles an hour in a 35 zone. You have a blown tail light and a blown headlight. Uh, about a mile back there on the road, you ran over a whole family of deer uh, and some very cute bunnies. You appear to have several kinds of illegal explosive drugs and firearms in the back seat. Not to mention, there's a 300-pound bearded man who's bound and gagged back there for some reason. What do you have to say for yourself, son? Uh, if you log on to pod617.com, you can listen to some great podcasts and produce one of your own. Pod617.com, huh? Okay. Have a nice day, sir. At Pod617.com, you'll find on-demand podcasts on politics, sports, music, and amazing storytelling. And Pod617.com will produce a broadcast-quality show for you to promote your business or professional service. Listen to the voices of your city and join the community. Pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Oh, uh, you know what? I changed my mind. You're under arrest. Aww. Real quick, in the, uh, the closing minutes, can you give us a little more insight about addiction campuses and what makes you guys unique um, compared to other centers? Well, before he begins, yes, I can please. definitely speak to a little bit of that. Andrew and I, this is actually the first time Andrew and I have met, but we have emailed and talked on the phone countless <laughs> number of times. Oh, that's Absolutely. cool. And the team over at American Addiction Campuses is, is top-notch. Anytime we've ever had a client call into Recovering Champions that requires detox, Swift River um, is pretty much the first one that we'll make the call for because they're efficient, they're fast, and they always get the person in. They understand the importance of getting a person into treatment as fast as possible because we know that any moment that could change. So, like, I can commend. And the program, I mean, I'm always the person that will base it off with the client's report back. I haven't had a single bad report about it. And you're pretty selective on who you guys oh, partner yeah. with. I'm a, I'm a hoity-toit person. I'm only going to put my reputation on the best places. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. We've had a great partnership with oh, Recovering Champions, so it's really been good. We love sleep. You know, the company started with uh, Brent Clemens um, and Eric Mitchell. Basically, they were with a different uh, treatment um, organization. And they decided that they wanted to do something a little bit different. They were tired of the cookie-cutter approach to treatment, mm-hmm. um, this revolving door. Uh, they put a lot of emphasis on continuing care programs, step-down programs. Um, and, you know, they were really – they are the brainchild behind the, the addiction campuses. 
Um, and so they, they kind of broke off and started their own um, programs. And, you know, evidence-based treatment, I mean, certainly we offer 12-step programs, uh, but, you know, the majority of the programs and the modalities, the treatment modalities that we use are really evidence-based. And uh, we just see a lot of success. And things just kind of grew um, slowly, not fast. You know, uh, a lot of people in our company are in treatment, you know, from the top down. And they understand the struggles of folks in, in early addiction, you know, mid-addiction, early recovery. Um, and they put a lot of emphasis. There's just a lot, you know, hearts of gold. Right. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I think that's the difference. You know, I think that we see a lot of places that, you know, um, I don't want to say Florida models because I think that's probably been stretched out a bit. But, yeah. you know, there's different programs that are more concerned with the bottom line and once you do that, you're going to fail, right. you know, because you're not taking. So people, it's people. Right. We're people talking, helping people. Right. right. Yeah. And that's, you know, we're talking about the most vulnerable people in our society. And the other thing with addiction campuses is we take the sickest of the sick. Right. You know, and I was mm -hmm. there. I remember it like it was yesterday. You know, it was thir I'm 13 years clean of opioids. But I remember it like it was yesterday. And we're not afraid to take those tougher cases and we're going to walk that path with you all the way through. And I think that's I think that's how we're different. Oh, yeah. I think that might be the subconscious why I love you guys so much because I was one of those patients. Yeah. <laughs> no, I find that hard to I find that hard. To believe. You're being you're Andy. lying. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> Don't lie. <laughs> Honest program. <laughs> um, can you give um, some contact information for people who uh, want to get in touch with you guys? Absolutely. The probably the best way to, to contact us is to call um, my line which is uh, area code 518-269-8306, uh, 518-269-8306, or you can contact us certainly through Alyssa. Um, recovering Champions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we work with uh, Recovering Champions. We work uh, with Northeast Addiction Treatment Centers, which mm -hmm. I know Alyssa also works with. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so we, we've built these good relationships, and... You know, that's that continuing care piece is so critical. But, yeah, you can contact me and I'll, I'll help your people get placed. That's another beautiful thing to contribute to American addiction campuses. I think that they're also one of the leaders that um, created the dynamic of like treatment centers working together. Because, I mean, I've been in the field for almost nine years and, you know, a couple years back, it wasn't us working together. It was just helping the clients and kind of ignoring that there's other places existing. And, yeah. and now the type of relationships that we can have with one another to help people that are suffering together is is beyond because yeah. i can't help somebody i'm going to send them to a good program because i i know that they're going to take care of them and i just i'll just emphasize one quick thing it's yep. definitely it's uh, addiction campuses is the name of my company yeah. not american addiction because that's a different company and they yeah. just do different stuff than we do so yes. i just want to emphasize it's a addiction campuses yes yeah, so yeah, so that's yeah that's so, right yeah. thank you so yeah if you're struggling and if you need you need help, you know, Andrew, this, you know, he's a, he's a guy's guy, he's one of these guys that's easy to talk to, you mm -hmm. know, you're not calling someone that you should be afraid of, you should, if you have a problem and you need help, make the first step, make the call, because he's the guy that'll help you out. Love to help you. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for coming on. Thank Good you very job. much. Thanks. My pleasure. We'll be right back with The Wrap. You have been listening to Crosscheck with your host, Kevin Stevens. We'll be right back after these messages. 
big thing that we have to offer is a ton of our staff are also in long-term recovery. Um, and the first thing that we look at is making sure that that individual comes in, feels like they're a person, that we're going to take care of them, and that we're there for them. Individualized treatment, we try and help people find a way to live a life that's drug-free a day at a time. When you're with us, you're going to get a master's clinician who is well-experienced, well-versed in addiction. You're also going to get a case manager who's going to help you basically with everything that you've missed in life due to addiction. You're going to have tons of peer support every day, but when you leave, you're a part of the Recovering Champions family. If you're looking for help to get into treatment and you'd like to use Recovering Champions and our knowledge of the system and how to access it, you can reach us a couple different ways. You can always call our toll-free number, which is 844 844- 888-5391, 844-888-5391. The other place you can find us is on the web, recoveringchampions.com. LifeSkills South Florida is a 26-year-old primary psychiatric facility located in beautiful Deerfield Beach, Florida. We treat mental health conditions and substance use disorders for men and women ages 18 and older by using a holistic approach to treatment. This is done by incorporating elements of mindfulness, meditation, and integrated primary care, which offers individuals the opportunity for complete recovery. Treatment at LifeSkills focuses not just on the persisting problems, but targets the underlying disorders that contribute to them in a healing environment. Our program goes above and beyond to empower the individuals during their recovery. For more information about our facilities, please call our Northeast Clinical Outreach Director, Melissa Westerman at 603-540-6288. That's 603-540-6288. Also, visit our website at lifeskillssouthflorida.com for more info. This is Chris Nowinski, CEO of the Concussion Legacy Foundation, and you're listening to Crosscheck Substance Abuse Radio, hosted by Kevin Stevens. Welcome back to Crosscheck, Substance Abuse Radio, with your host, Kevin Stevens, Alyssa Horton, Willie Drinkwater, the People's Choice, Polly V. We're down to the wrap. Really interesting show. Love to get everybody's opinion on the partnership that the Graken Center has established with Drug Free Kids, and had some questions about what you guys think of the, the program and partnership with the uh, advising kids and parents. And uh, uh, efficacy-based is what they talk about. What does that mean? Yeah, efficacy-based. Well, it's empirically based. It's actually been scientific proven to be mm-hmm. beneficial. Yes. Okay. Empirical-based. And, and what does that mean, though, as like as far as the um, – are these, like, outcomes? Is that what we're – Yeah, outcome studies. But, you know, I mean, the, the whole process, it's been shown to be effective. Okay. And it's been repeated over and over again. So you know it is. No, I think it was a good show. I think it's important that, you know, kind of realize that, um, you know, the two different type of people that were here today. Dr. Roy does a lot of with, the, with medicine and trying to get, you know, Suboxone and Methadone and all the different ways to stay clean. And Andrew comes from, you know, the, the rehab or the, the, the place where you can go. You get your 30-day treatment. They detox you there. But, you know, try to you know, get you out of there when you're clean and just try to try to live a sober life. So it's a... A little bit two different ways to, to get clean and sober. There's many different ways to get clean and sober, but yeah. the biggest thing is to take the first step, and it's a lot of work. You know, it's not – you're not just going to say, okay, I want to get sober, and you're going to be sober the next day. You know, it's just um, – you're going to put some time and effort into it. And But the biggest thing is 
to use these people, right? They, you know, these people come on, they help people, and they, and they're there for for all the people out there to use them. You know, that's that's the biggest thing. Make the call to use them. And I think a big thing, you know, the the, the piece about stigma today and stuff. When mm-hmm. when when those of us that have addictions use the term, you know, addict, alcoholic, it's with no malice whatsoever. No. You know, but. But, 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 society. Re- but yeah. it is society that at times it tends to just categorize, oh, they're an addict, they're an alcoholic. When we say it, it's coming from a whole different place. A whole different place. Because we're part of the tribe. So why are people um, who are not part of the tribe have s- take such issue with well, it? Well, because then they don't have to do anything because those, those, those people aren't worthwhile treating you know, because they're addicts, they're alcoholics, they're just going to, yeah. I, I, I mean, we, we have in New England now, you, you have the governor of Maine who, you know, would not allow the state of Maine to fund Nar, Nar, Narcan because, yeah. hey, they're just going to do it again, they may as well die. Yeah. I mean, that's the attitude. So changing the, changing the, par- the language. Yeah. Changing we'll the, it's almost like dehumanizing is like what they're trying to say is when you label somebody something, yeah. you're dehumanizing them because you are putting yourself essentially above them as a person. Those of us with the issues, though, know that we're much, much more than the label. Okay, but, but we identify the as public, that, though, right. right? But the general public, a lot of times, they just hear addict or alcoholic. Right. Even down. if I, even if I publicly speak ever, I'm never like I'm not a drug addict or an alcoholic. Right, because you label. I'm a person you're in recovery. I'm a human being. With, I'm a human being in recovery. With a, right. Okay, so it's really on the uh, the repurpose repackaging. Yes, it's, it's especially rewording. Yeah, rewording. Yeah. It is. It's it is because essentially it is dehumanizing the person, and that they they do feel it's that almost uh, judgment. Okay. No. Fortunately, in Massachusetts, most people get it. Yeah, you we're know, a very progressive state. When you look at the rest of the country, though, it's it's a whole. You know, it's a moral issue. It's this. Yeah. It's, it's choice. Crazy. It's a yeah. choice. Yeah. Big guy. Any closing thoughts? No, not really. That's you know, that's pretty much they pretty much hit on the head. Like you know, the stigma thing. You know, a lot of people at work that are addicts don't want everybody else they work with to know they're addicts. Mm-hmm. For me, yeah. Yeah. I don't really care anymore because that's just you know more people that get out there that know. It's a disease. We all had a disease. Right. Now right, we're in right. recovery, and we're the same person as, as any other person. It's just that we're in recovery, and we have this disease of addiction, and that's um, exactly. something that we work on every day, a day at a time, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so I agree, and I think it was a great show. Thanks to Dr. Pyle Roy mm-hmm. and Andrew, Andrew McKenna, McKenna from Addiction Campuses, and I also wanted to remind everyone we are now on iTunes, and I know, Ooh, right? What? Yeah, Woo-hoo. yeah. Are we becoming uh, something? I know, right? We're t- <laughs> we're on iTunes and we're on pod617.com, which is hosting our podcast now. And again, that's pod617.com, and that's our show for the week. And we will plan to see you next week on Crosscheck. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for joining us today on Crosscheck Substance Abuse Radio, and we look forward to you joining us every Saturday as we remove the mask of addiction and power forward to a happy, healthy life. If you or a loved one is suffering from substance abuse, please call the Massachusetts Substance Abuse Hotline at 1-800-327-5050. That's 1-800-327-5050. Or visit our website, PowerForwardNow.org for more information and resources. Guess what? We have a new website, PowerForward25.com. Check it out for more resources and information. That's PowerForward25.com. Do you dare enter Monsterland? You may not know that some 50 miles west of Boston sits what may be one of the most diverse and comprehensive paranormal locations in the world. If you listen to the Monsterland podcast, the secrets will be revealed to you. 
I'm Maddie Blake, actor, TV host, and believer. And I'm fortunate to be co-hosting the show with the author of the book known as Monsterland, Ronnie LeBlanc. Thanks, Maddie. Well, you said it. We're practically next door to the Lemster State Forest, a place that's had decades-long list of strange phenomena, including UFOs, paranormal activity, Bigfoot, strange sightings, occult, and military activity. Absolutely. And Ronnie, on the Monsterland podcast, we'll be joined by a murderer's row of experts from all over the world to finally figure out if these claims belong in the myth or Monsterland files. So make sure you listen, binge, and believe as each chapter of our mysterious journey unfolds. You can find the Monsterland podcast on pod617.com, the mighty pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Join the passionate fans who we're already hearing from. See you soon in Monsterland. <laughs>